criminal, I guess, there. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Well, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. We are uh, wrapping things up in this message series this morning. We've been looking at how to enjoy life together and looking at our core values as a church. And so, um, as you saw in that clip, I have to admit there's a lot of times we disregard what the authority has to say because we just flat out disagree with them. And so... Uh, we're going to be looking at how to relate to spiritual authority, and but how do you just relate to authority in your life, period? Because we always find ourselves um, under authority or having to at least relate in some way to um, leaders. And so there's probably people in this room that are leaders, and there's probably people in this room that are followers, and there's probably people that are both at the same time. You probably play roles of leadership and followership at the same time. And so uh, this morning we're looking at Heart attitude number seven is on the back of your listening guide. It is this here. Follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. And uh, it'll come up within, wait for it, scriptural limits. There it is. So there's limits on how far we need to go with following. But the whole idea of um, authority that you saw in the video in a funny way comes out in a very practical way in the way that we relate to um, our leaders. And so, and then this is going to wrap up our look at our heart attitudes, our seven core values. And so, um, hopefully, for those of you who are members of the church, uh, this is a good refresher. And for those of you who are um, newer and maybe processing whether or not you'd like to make this your church home, these have been helpful for you to just think through whether or not you'd like to do church in this way and with these different heart attitudes. The first one is put the goals and interests of others above my own. We looked at that over a month ago. Second one is live an honest and open life before others. Third is give and receive scriptural correction. Fourth is clear up relationships, which is really important. Uh, five is participate in the ministry of the church. Sixth one we looked at last week was support the work financially. And then this one, follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. I'd like to pray and um, also pray for Church in the Valley. Um, they are our sponsor church. Five years ago they sent a team of seven of us to move out here to plant this church five years ago. And today they, they sent 90 people to start a new church um, in Alhambra, which is just east of Los Angeles a little bit. And they're starting a new uh, work there. And so I'd like to pray for them. We sent a group this morning to help. Um, as they're launching that new church, we, we sent a group to help their main site in Diamond Bar because it'll fill a lot of the holes that are missing with people that have went out to start their church. So um, anyway... And, and you may have an opportunity to be involved in, in helping in some practical ways as they launch this church. So I'll be sharing more and more as the months go on. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us, first and foremost. We did not deserve the way you've shown us your love, the way you've poured your kindness into our life and lives. And Lord, you, you've, um, in, in many ways, God, um, we come and we worship just to say thanks, God, just to sit before you and to worship the God who redeemed us, who loved us enough to send his only son to die the death that we deserved. Lord, so we thank you for that, first and foremost. And Lord, right now we just we just would ask that you would um, keep working on, on us and our lives and continue to, to deal with some of the rough edges of our lives. And in this area, as we look at authority, where many of us really struggle with this issue of authority, I pray that you continue to do your work, that you just shine a light in the areas and the specific relationships, God, that you'd like us to give attention to this morning. 
and help us to make personal application, God, of your word. We just invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us and to teach us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, whenever we disagree with the leader, then we start thinking about um, disregarding what they have to say. If we, we think, if we disagree, then we're free to disobey. Or we at least question them, like, who do you think you are? What gives you the right to lead me? Or, you know, we, we, we wrestle with authority all the time, but we always find ourselves having to relate to authority. So this area is very, very difficult to get around. Um, in Scripture, you find this out, and this is at the top of your listing guide. God has given authority its place. God has given all authority their place. Romans 13, 1. In Romans, um, the 13th chapter, we encounter this idea as Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, and he's talking about a very practical issue of relating to those in authority. He's not just talking about spiritual authority like pastors and um, people in the spiritual leadership roles alone. He's really talking about the broader category of just leadership and followership. And so, how do I relate to those in authority? What gives the words that we're going to look at a lot of credibility is not just the fact that they're in the Bible, but that the context in which they were written in. Uh, The book of Romans is a letter written to Christians who were living in Rome. You pull up the slide here, and Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, and there were not many Christians in Rome in the first century. The reason why is because Rome was a hostile environment for Christians to live. This is not a good place to live. And the emperor during that time, um, the emperors then thought of themselves as gods, and so there was worship to the emperors. And so um, to follow Christ would be to reject um, the ways of their land and culture. And so very hostile place to be a follower of Christ. And the emperor at this time, his name was Nero. Here's a slide of him. Nero was not friendly towards Christians. I don't know if you know about Christians, but he, or about Nero's and Christian, they, or Nero and Christians, they bad mix between the two of them. He hated Christians. He burned the city of Rome and he blamed, um, he blamed it on the Christians. He would burn Christians at the stake. He would light them on fire in his garden with wax and decorate his gardens with burning Christians. He would fill a coliseum and, and um, allow Christians to be mauled by lions. Here's another slide showing kind of a Colosseum slide. And, and he was a terrible, terrible emperor. And so Christianity didn't fare well under Nero because he was this pagan emperor who rejected the ways of Christianity and Christ himself. And so the, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus, really, really were in a, in a, in a tough spot to, to even live and just to exist. Many of them saw their friends and family members killed and, and drug away and then ultimately lost their lives. And so there's a lot of fear for the church in Rome to be a Christian. And so Paul writes this letter and he's giving them some advice and, and actually some commands on how to respond to authority. Um, Nero's the guy that's in charge at the time when the, the church in Rome received this letter. And so Romans 13, verse 1, look at what it says. With all of that in mind, Paul writes and he says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Now, if you want to be like, Paul, wait, stop right there. You can't just make a blanket statement like that, Paul. We need to submit to the governing authorities. Do you know who's in charge in this land? Do you know who's the ruler here? Paul is saying, you know, you think it's about all the individual laws and the rules, and I'm telling you this, it's not about the what's, it's about the who. He's saying, you need to submit to the governing authorities. 
Little more information is given here in the next part of the verse. For there is no authority except that which God has established. And again, you have to pause and allow that to sink in because this is somewhat unbelievable for the setting. And, and for them, it was probably enough for them to want to rip up this letter and just to throw it or burn it because put yourself in their shoes. Could you say that again, Paul? And then Paul continues. He, he adds even more. Because the authorities that exist have been established by God. Makes you want to kind of scratch your head. What? Paul? Really? Here? In Rome? Or here in America? Or, you know, the authorities, and everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities? It, it seems like we want Paul to say, submit yourself to the spiritual authorities of your church. But he's not talking about the spiritual authorities necessarily. He's, they're implied in this passage, but he's really talking about the broader category of those in authority. He, we want him to say, you know, follow the preacher, follow the, follow the pastors, not follow the leaders of our land. But Paul is saying all authority have been established by God. And this is what the Bible teaches, that God always works through human authority. And it's interesting. It's not just good human authority. Sometimes God works through bad human authority. Not just religious human authority. Sometimes it's very secular. You know, not just righteous human authority, but... Sometimes it's unrighteous human authority. God has worked. If you read the pages of Scripture, you'll see God working through unrighteous kings at times to make himself known, to advance what he's trying to do. And so Paul is saying, look, it's not about what, it's really about who. And I want you to submit to the governing authorities. This is how God works. The implications of this are really scary because that's kind of like saying, if God has established the leader, then if I disobey the leader, I'm really disobeying God. And we, we think, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing what I want to do. Or, you know, I don't, need to, I don't need to obey my boss or my dad or these people that play an authority role in my life or this group leader or this team leader. You know, Paul's saying, look, when you disregard those people, really what you're doing is you're disregarding a leader that God has placed in your life. And by putting these along the same lines as a spiritual issue, Paul is saying, look, you think obeying the laws, paying your taxes, following the leader, you think that's just a, an issue, but he's saying this is a spiritual issue. This has something to do with your spiritual life. And look at verse 2. It goes on, Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. The next few verses, you can see, you can look ahead in your, in your Bible if you'd like. He's really talking about some of the leaders that are um, over, like, making laws and enforcing laws. He's not, he's not necessarily just directly referring to spiritual leaders, but they play a spiritual function in our lives. The leaders play a spiritual function. And often we think, you know, I don't need to do what they're saying because I think their ways or what they want me to do is stupid. When you're in a small group in church, there's a, there's a leader. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, that's kind of dumb what they're saying, or that's irrelevant, or the rules that they're asking us to, to the policies that this, this group has, or this team has, or this church has, those are kind of lame, and I, I, I think those are irrelevant to me. And we start thinking about all these reasons why we should just do what we want to do. But this is up on the screen. Our attitude and our response to human authorities is actually a reflection of our attitude and response to our Father in heaven. There's a direct connection to us being able to trust God with the people He's placed over us. 
Your response to the authorities that you can see is actually a reflection to your response to the authority that you can't see, the God that you can't see. And so there's this trust issue in play. God, he runs the universe, and he does so by delegating authority. And there are limits, and we're going to look at those at the very end of the message, in case you're wondering, so what about that crazy guy, or what about this evil person? Do we need to follow him as well? Is that what God's saying? We're going to look at that. But Paul's saying, look, you want to separate these two worlds into secular and sacred, and he's saying, look, it's a spiritual issue. Your response to authority is a spiritual issue. So there's these bullets. First, God works through legitimate authority, not around it. He works through the the leaders, the bosses, the parent, the husband, the group leader, the team leader, the pastor. He, He works through these different authorities. Even, you know, he's working through politicians. He's working through, and we, we're like, wait, well, God actually can work through legitimate authority. And, and oftentimes we, we get under a leader, and we don't like what they're doing, and so we just scoot around the leader. Well, that's, that's good for them, but I'm going to do this. And we try to sneak around the leader and work around them. But he's placed them there to accomplish a purpose. Oftentimes he's trying to do something in us. He places us in organizations or in groups in order to do a work in us. Secondly, each authority has a specific arena of responsibility. So all leaders have a scope that they're responsible for. Like the state, they have an authority. That's, you know, the laws and upholding. But if you follow, if you don't follow the state, you can wind up behind bars. Businesses, they have a scope of authority. If you don't follow your workplace, you're fired. You know, an educational institution, there's an authority and they have some rules. And if you decide to go around them, you can be removed. In the home, there's these lessons and there's these boundaries that parents set up for their kids. Like, here's the rules, Bobby. And, you know, these are the, you can't do that. And Bobby chooses to go around it. You know, there's consequences, but then there's also a lot of, there's a difficult life in store for Bobby to just disregard the authority in the home. And this, we can go on and on and on, but all leaders have a scope of responsibility. My mentor, he says that all leadership, you know, needs, or all organizations need leadership because um, if you don't have a leader, it's like the organization's like, you know, monkeys playing football. You know, they may cross a line, they may score, but they, you don't, they don't really know. There's just this, there's a lot of activity going on, but there's not a lot of working together. There's not a lot of clear structure. So we need to not, we need to actually have strong leadership. We need to have leadership in place for things to actually get done. So this heart attitude, the backdrop of heart attitude seven is God's view on authority. We're wrapping up this series by, by looking at this. Look at Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority, for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Now he's talking more in a spiritual sense to the leaders in the church. They they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. If you currently are a spiritual leader, if you have leadership in our church, you're a group leader, you're a team leader, or even you just you play a leadership function, the key phrase for you is, they must give an account. You need to give an account for your leadership. For me, I signed some papers for the IRS on behalf of this church. And they'll come after me. Like, I'm accountable. You as a group leader, as a team leader, you have made another function as a leader you're accountable you have a a scope of responsibility you have people that are looking to you to lead them and then you're accountable 
God holds us as leaders accountable for, for this scope of responsibility. For, for husbands, it's the home. For parents, it's children. For the state, it's their decisions. For pastors, it's their church. For group leaders, it's their group. For ministry team leaders in our church, it's your ministry team and the functions that they're trying to accomplish. But there is a way that God wants spiritual leaders to, to serve. One thing is God expects spiritual leaders to serve as examples. If you're a leader, you're really a, you're, you're to be the chief servant. You're to serve the people that you lead. You're to lead in a loving way, in a gentle way, in a kind way. For you parents, you know, you have to think about, okay, how can I be gentle and kind and motivating my kids? You know, but loving leadership. For pastors, this verse is really talking about those who lead in a spiritual sense. First Peter 5, Paul says to the, to the pastoral leaders, he says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Now, some of our group leaders and our ministry team leaders in our church function as pastors in the way that you care and you shepherd a group. You care for a group of people. And you're, you're caring for people in community. You're watching out for them. You're watching over them in many ways. Look what he says. Do this not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those who entrusted to you. Like, the idea here is stepping on people's necks. This is the picture that comes up twice in the New Testament. To lord it over is when you're stepping on someone's neck, holding them down. But then he says, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. A bunch of different verses or words are used to describe the, the role of spiritual leaders. One is in Hebrews 13, 17, uses the word leader. and the Greek, it means to direct the affairs or to advance the affairs. The idea of kind of like advancing into battle. Leaders, in a spiritual sense, try to lead the church to advance the cause of Christ. They're advancing the cause, and they're leading a group of people to do that. Another word you see in this First Peter passage is the word shepherd, which means to supervise or to superintend. Shepherds are supposed to pay attention to the flock. Shepherds and pastors, group leaders, team leaders, you have a responsibility to, to shepherd or to, to pay attention to the growth, the care, the nourishment of those people God has entrusted to you. That's your role. You're to guard against those from the outside who would come, want to come in and do harm. That's one of the roles that, 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 that I'm to play as, as a shepherd, as a pastor, is to pay attention to, to who comes in and out of church life and to guard against those who would want to harm the church. And for pastors to ignore that would be foolish because the Scripture warns that people come in to destroy churches, that people will falsely um, come in under... You know, with a mask, in a sense, and and try to lead people in the wrong direction to do harm. And so, we we pay attention as spiritual leaders to to who's getting involved in church life. We pay attention because it's something that has been entrusted to us. And if you have a if you have a leadership responsibility in our church, you need to be paying attention to the people that God has entrusted to you. You also need to correct, as a shepherd, you also need to correct, and even at times remove people from the group who are causing harm to the group from the inside. Things can happen where people will come in and attack from the outside, but also in Scripture it says that the shepherd guards against those from the inside who are causing harm. And so shepherding, pay attention to that. The idea of overseer that you see in this passage has the, has the sense of making sure that things are done in line with Scripture. You're making sure that things are done right. So if you lead your group, lead your group in line with Scripture. Lead your team in ways 
that are pleasing to God. All of these are really strong words, leader, shepherd, overseer. But the idea is that it's how God gets things done. Organizations don't just float along and accomplish things. Like, oh, this is just, we're always going to show up and see how we feel this week about what happens. Nothing really gets accomplished if we just float along. The idea here is that there's strong leadership. And in our church, we want strong leadership with follower initiative. People are taking initiative, aggressively moving our organization forward. But notice the specific instruction on how you lead in this passage. It says, not because you must, if you're a leader, not because you must, not greedy for money, eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but by being example. Your life, those you lead are watching you. The people you lead that have been entrusted to you, they're watching you. You're set an example. Here's some guidelines for good following. We all find ourselves following the leader. And so Hebrews 13, 17, this, this verse, again, look at it one more time. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. It says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy. Look at that. We're to obey them so that their work will be a joy. Not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. This goes against our flow in America, where there's this adversarial relationships with leaders and followers. The whole idea of, like, there's labor, and then there's management. You know, there's the citizens, and then there's big government. And so in, in America, we kind of joke about sticking it to the man, you know, where we just go against and we rebel against the a leader of the organization. God, God lays it out very, very different than the way the culture he does it just naturally. So here's some things that God says. First, recognize the leader's authority. See, they're going to answer, according to this passage, they're going to answer to God, and so you want to respect their position, and you want to try to coordinate your efforts with theirs. They will have to give an account. So recognize the authority. Recognize the role that they play and the position. Honor them for the position that they hold. In church life, this is not easy. These Hard attitudes really relate to our relationships in church life and then our relationship to the organization of the church. But this is really challenging in church because in our case, where we're such a young church and we have so many young leaders too, um, you know, you might have a leader that is 10 to 15 years younger than you or more. And you're like, wow, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, like, obey this guy or this gal? I've lived longer than, you know, twice their life. You know, or I have way more experience than them. I'm supposed to obey them? Or whatever they're saying, they're not even going to work. They don't even know this is not going to work. And so we start struggling with some of the things of relating to leaders in, in, in our church. But as a follower, you need to keep in mind, this is their stewardship. It's something that they will answer to God for. And so work with them out of respect and honor the position that they hold. All of the leaders in our church, whether it's a group leader, a discipleship group leader, a staff member, a ministry team leader, an advisory team leader, a pastor, they have to qualify themselves before they receive a role of leadership. We, we look at five things primarily. We look at have they been faithful? Have they been available for the work of ministry? Are they available to people? Are they accessible to people? You know, the idea of available, you can count on them industrious, meaning like they're hard workers. They work hard. They set the pace. They get after it. They're diligent. They're teachable. We look for teachability. 
And then a heart for God, people that have a true heart for God. But this screening process of looking for character, we're, we're, you know, we're intentional in the way we raise up leaders in our church. And so recognize the authority that they've been given and work with them. Recognize. And the second, be easily persuaded. Very important for, for following is try not to be an anchor. Try not to be an anchor in a group, in a team, in a church, even in the family life. And try not to be the one that's bogging everything down. In our church, we want strong leadership, like I said, with follower initiative. It's important to raise questions. If you have a question, you know, you're in a group and you're just like, you're in a group or a team and you're just, you have a serious question. So, uh, and people ask me questions all the time. Hey, why, why did we do that? Or I'm just wondering, what was the reasoning that we're having this event? Or what, what's the point of this? Or why is this in place? Or that policy? I'm kind of curious. Can you tell me? That's, that's okay. Ask questions. Raise questions. Give input. Hey, have you thought about this? You know, give input. That's, that's really that's needed in a healthy organization. But sometimes we can be an anchor. It goes beyond just all the questions. And we become a questioning person all the time. We question everything. We have a questioning spirit about us. And so if groups are bogged down because there's a person who has a questioning spirit, then the, the group is not able to really accomplish all that much. This person is acting as an anchor and has drug the whole group down. This can happen in groups. We've seen it happen in church to where things get bogged down because there's anchors. And so Hebrews 13, 17 saying, look, you want to make it a joy. Be easily persuaded. Make it a joy for your leaders. Then he says, <clears throat> this third part here is, yield to authority if a difference of opinion exists. Just yield quickly to authority. The idea of yield, it comes from a Greek word that means submit, which means to resist no longer or to give way. In modern terms, it's like the MMA fighter who taps out. I tap out. I give. I give. If, so the basic goal, if you're a follower, is... To make it a joy for your leader. Make it a joy for the person that God has assigned to lead you. Versus, Hebrews 13, 17 says, not a burden. A burden is kind of like literally like a sighing. Oh. If your leader is sighing when they have to have a conversation with you, and they're always, if you recognize, man, he's always, or she's always having a sigh when he comes up or she comes up, maybe it's because this issue of, it's not a joy. Maybe it's not a joy for your leader because this whole idea of being an anchor. So he says, make it a joy, you know, not a burden, for that would be a no advantage to you. To be a burden on a group or a leader, it, 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 what it does is it cancels out something that God highly honors. Anytime you serve or you invest yourself in something, you join a group, that's a good thing. If you serve, that's a huge thing. God says he highly honors those who serve. But then if we serve and our attitude is crappy what happens is you know it's not a joy for the leader there is no advantage to you it almost cancels out the good that we did of serving and paul or the writer of hebrews is saying why would you do that you're doing something good now make it a joy for the leader there are some other disadvantages with poor fellowship one of them is that the leader himself or herself is not able to focus on advancing the group and progressing the whole group instead they're very very focused on dealing with this this anchor. And so make it a joy for those that lead you. You can apply this in all sorts of ways. Certainly can apply this to groups, ministry teams, church life in general. You can apply this in your home. 
You can apply this on the job. These principles will work in those different areas. But here's one last thing is for everyone to realize is that humility is the key for working relationships. Both for leaders and for followers, it requires humility. Scripture says, 1 Peter 5, 5, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, first he addresses the young men, but then he says, all of you, really old, young, clothe yourselves, put on humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The idea with humility is that humility is like the oil that allows the engine to keep functioning. It just allows for relationships to work smoothly. As soon as the oil drains out of an engine, it locks up. It fails to function properly. And so as soon as you choose to drain humility and you become prideful, man, it just it locks up the relationships. The ability to follow well or even to lead well. If you choose, and you're a leader, if you choose to move into pride, then again, that grinds up the ability to, to function well with the group. Humility. So that's hard attitude number seven. Here, here are... Some limits. These are not in your outline, but you might want to jot these down. There are some limits, scripturally, that you don't have to follow authority. First, that command us to violate the Word of God. Anytime spiritual authority or authority commands you to violate the Word of God, that's a limit. You don't have to follow. Acts chapter 4, there's a situation where Peter and John are told by the Jewish leaders, stop sharing. It's going to be illegal, in a sense, to share about Jesus. Stop sharing about the risen Jesus. You may not speak of that name anymore. And Peter and John said, well, you decide we're, we could either obey you or, or obey God. We're going to have to obey God here. He's told us to make His name known, and so we're going to obey Him. That's a breaking point. When someone commands you to violate the Word of God, you go with God. But one thing I would add here is you need to know what God says. You need to know your Bible. You need to know what God has to say. Know the Word of God in and out. Don't just count on, well, I'll go to church and I'll let him teach the Word of God to me. This is a supplement of something. It's not a substitute for you. This time is hopefully a supplement for you getting into the Word of God yourself, feeding on what God has to say regularly, daily, taking it in. It doesn't have to be like chapters at a time. Just take in what you can and, and put it into practice. Take it in. Mull on it. Meditate on what God has to say in the Word of God and feed on His truth. Know what the Scripture says, because if you know what it says, then you'll detect, you'll spot the counterfeit right away. When a spiritual leader says, here's what we're going to do, and you go, oh, that's kind of off with what God has to say in the Bible. But you'll fall prey to false leaders if, if you don't know what the Word of God is. But this is certainly a limit. Another limit is you don't have to follow authority that tries to usurp another another authority's jurisdiction, stepping outside of the jurisdiction that's been assigned to them. I shared last service that if church leadership turns cultish, we say, hey, we're pitching in to build a home. We're all going to live in it together (laughs) and uh, pull our resources together. We're going to wear certain outfits and, and, you know, we're going to drink certain things. And it may sound like, it almost sounds ridiculous, but this has happened. It has happened. And what happens is the spiritual leaders try to step into an authority structure that's not their own. So they're trying to merge the home structure and the church structure in a compound-like environment. And it's, it's dangerous. It's deceptive. It's dangerous. And so you don't need to follow. I have a, I have a neighbor who is a dear friend. 
that helped disciple me when I was, you know, younger, um, who, who got sucked into this. It started out as a really healthy thing and a healthy church out of a healthy offshoot of healthy churches that I could mention that we'd all go, yeah, we're, we respect that group. But it, it got unhealthy and it sucked families in who followed a leader who was very persuasive and eventually it got destructive and, and wives started splitting from the house and leaving and there was manipulation and pressure and and, um, you know, my, my friend nearly lost his family. Thankfully, he was able to restore his marriage. But, I mean, these types of things happen. That's a limit of where a spiritual leader is trying to usurp another authority's. Now, spiritual leaders need to uphold authority structures, come alongside existing authority structures in the home. It's my job to support the authority structure that God has set up in the home. I want to come alongside that. Same with group leaders. You know, if a group leader is like, hey, um, you know, we were really thinking about this. We just wanted to talk to you guys about sugar intake and uh, what you feed your kids. And you're like, that's really not his authority for her authority structure. Again, that's that's a limit. There's an authority. There's a jurisdiction. The, The last limit is this. Anytime that the leadership turns demonic or determined to punish the good and reward the wicked, again... Run the other direction. Spiritual leadership that turns demonic is, is not of God. Leaders are to be God's servant to do good. And so there are people that don't need to be followed. You may want to get input from people, but, but the big question is, when it comes to all of authority, is, is God big enough to direct me through this leader? It's really a trust issue. Well, if you're a leader and you're, or if you're a follower leading being led by someone who's much younger than you, and you have thoughts about, wow, they don't have a lot of experience. I don't know if I could trust them. The big issue is, God, are you trustworthy to lead me through this person or to that person? I trust you, God. And and what they're saying isn't, you know, it's not not going past the limit here. It may not be something I like or want to do, but if it's in line with Scripture, if it's not violating Scripture, it's not crossing a line, if it just crosses our opinion then yield quickly to a leader. You'll easily, be easily persuaded. Be the person that really just sets the pace among the group. I want to invite the band to come up as we wrap things up this morning. Would you take out your white connection card and take a look at these next steps on the back? First, you see there's memorize Hebrews 13:17. The world and the ways of our culture are so, they're so convincing. And they just seem and they feel right. And so this whole area of authority, it just seems... It seems like what God says runs so contrary to the way we feel. And so what we need to do is we need to renew our mind with the Word of God. So we memorize Scripture. One of the things is Hebrews 13, 17, great great verse to memorize as it relates to following authority. Second, consider one specific way to make it a joy for a leader. Think of something very specific. Think about a leader that's in your life and put some specific action step into place this week to make it a joy for them, to be a help to them, to not be an anchor in their group, on their team, in their life. The last thing here is set the pace in good following in your group or ministry team. Uh, Maybe, again, maybe you've been working against the leader. Just make a commitment. I'm going to run hard in a supportive direction for them from here on out. I'm going to be a pace setter. I'll be the person in the group that they can count on to champion champion the efforts and the causes of this group, this team. That's what that means. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, 
Now this is a it's a very difficult issue that does not settle easily with us because we have all just been exposed to such a different approach in our culture, in our country. And so it, it, this just challenges. It's abrasive to us, God, when, we, when we're exposed to what you have to say about authority and what your plan and desire is for it. But Lord, we, we can trust you. Lord, you are trustworthy. You're sovereign over all the affairs of this world, meaning you're in charge, you're in control. Nothing that happens has escaped your notice. You've not put us in places and forgotten about us, but that you're working in our lives and through our leaders and through our following, you're growing us up. Lord, your desire for us is that we would look like Jesus in the way that we do our lives, that we would approach things as he did. And so, Lord, at times you'll place us in roles and in positions and in relationships that are very, very difficult. And I pray that we would not just fail and try to move around authority, but that we'd work with authority and that we trust you, God, in the midst of the challenges, the battles that we face internally. Lord, that we just pray for the strength and the courage to live out these truths this week, today even, God, as we interact with the people that you've, you've put in our lives as leaders. We pray your blessing over our leaders, for those that work hard to serve us, to serve to advance your cause, we just pray you bless them, God. We pray that they would um, serve from a position of humility. Not lording it over people, but loving people the way you love us. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. Just pray for this group, Lord, that you'd encourage us, strengthen us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.